0: Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up tonight, banking regulators ordering Wells Fargo to repay billions of dollars to consumers for charging illegal fees and interest. Congressional leaders unveil a new spending bill. A lot of it is military funding as well as record high support for Ukraine. And a new study finds that jobless benefits in many states pay more than regular jobs, sometimes upwards of $100,000 a year. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. <music> Great to have you with us, Don Ma. Here. Federal regulators today fined Wells Fargo, the nation's third largest bank, a record amount over, quote, widespread mismanagement. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau ordered Wells Fargo to repay $2 billion to customers and fined the bank $1.7 billion. Is the CFPB's largest fine to date against any bank. The Bureau says Wells Fargo's violations impacted more than 16 million customers. According to the agency, Wells Fargo improperly charged its auto loan customers with fees and interest. In some cases, the bank wrongfully repossessed borrowers' vehicles. The bank also improperly denied thousands of mortgage loan modifications to homeowners. The head of CFPB called Wells Fargo, quote, a repeat offender and said today's fine is just the first step to hold it accountable. In 2016, regulators found that bank employees had illegally opened millions of accounts in order to meet sales goals. In 2018, Wells Fargo paid a $1 billion penalty to cover widespread consumer protection law violations. And the latest update on Elon Musk's Twitter poll about whether he should step down as CEO, A new national poll found a majority of Americans want him to stay on, contrary to the result of the Twitter poll he did yesterday. The poll was done by Harris X. It shows 53% of Americans want Musk to remain CEO. Among the Twitter users, polled 61% want him to stay on. Worth noting, though, this poll surveyed a much, much smaller group of people. Still, Musk responded to the results, tweeting, quote, Interesting suggests that maybe we might still have an it'sy bitsy bot problem on Twitter. An earlier tweet from a Twitter user also suggested that fake accounts might have skewed the Twitter poll result, to which Musk replied, quote, interesting. Musk has been pretty silent about any decision to quit the Twitter CEO role. He had promised to abide by the results of the poll. And meanwhile, he's making changes on how Twitter polls are done. Musk says, In the future, only Twitter Blue subscribers will be able to vote on polls related to Twitter policy. This could be because of the fake accounts issue we mentioned earlier. It was a Twitter user Blue actually who suggested the policy change, saying only they should be able to vote in policy-related polls because they have skin in the game. Musk responded saying, good point, Twitter will make that change. It's unclear though when the policy change will come into effect. And Congress released a new bipartisan spending bill this morning, which would fund the government through next fall. Federal spending would be increased and most of the bill's funds are going to the military. Here are the details.
1: Congressional leaders unveiled a government-wide $1.7 trillion spending package early Tuesday. The bill includes around $860 billion in defense funding and $770 billion for domestic programs for the remainder of the fiscal year ending in September. The 4,000-page bill includes another large round of aid to Ukraine, a nearly 10% boost in defense spending, and roughly $40 billion to assist communities across the country recovering from drought, hurricanes, and other natural disasters. This might be the last major bill of the current Congress. Lawmakers are racing to complete passage before a midnight Friday deadline or face the prospect of a partial government shutdown going into the Christmas holiday. The spending package includes about $45 billion in emergency assistance to Ukraine. That would be the biggest American infusion of assistance yet, above President Joe Biden's $37 billion emergency request. Also included is a proposal to ban China-owned social media app TikTok from federal government devices. The bill's release was delayed for hours by haggling between Maryland and Virginia lawmakers concerning the location of the FBI's future headquarters. Lawmakers are now nearing completion of the 2023 spending package nearly three months late. It was supposed to be finished by October 1st when the government's fiscal year began. The last time Congress enacted all its spending bills on time was in 1996, when the Senate finished its work on the very last day of the budget year. Then President Bill Clinton signed it that same day. The Senate is expected to vote on Tuesday's bill first, where support from at least 10 Republican senators will be needed before moving to the House.
0: Here's a question. Why is the labor market short of workers? Well, a new study from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity could provide some insight. It found that in 24 states in the U.S., unemployment benefits and Affordable Care Act subsidies combined are comparable to the median household income. The study is titled, Paying Americans Not to Work. It found that in three states, a family of four can receive over $100,000 in cash and benefits per year without doing any work. By comparison for you, the median secondary school teacher income is just $81,000. And to get more information on the study, I spoke to one of its authors earlier. And now joining us is E.J. Antony. He's a senior research fellow for regional economics in the Center for Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation. So, E.J., in your study, you found that government assistance in a lot of states actually pays better than working families. So, I'd like to ask you, at the end of the day, what does this mean? What does this do to the economy?
2: Well, I think this helps explain why we have so many millions of unfilled jobs right now and why we have such a tight labor market. Obviously, there are other conditions at play as well. But when you have situations where it pays people more, to sit home than if they go out and find a job, then don't be surprised when people do exactly that and when we have an artificial labor shortage.
0: How significant is this uh, to, to a short shortage of workers in the labor force, uh, to a lower labor force participation? How much, how significant is this?
2: Oh, well, it, it's certainly contributing to literally millions of unfilled jobs right now. So when you consider the fact that, for example, in a state like New Jersey, you can receive unemployment benefits that exceed the median income plus benefits. I mean, you can't tell me that that's not having a significant impact on the labor market.
0: I wonder, would this have an impact on inflation as well? Because if there are fewer people working, I would assume that the country's productivity is going down. If, if there are fewer products, then prices would go up. Would you say this, it might have this effect?
2: Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought up productivity, because we have seen some historic, that's not an exaggeration, historic declines in productivity the last couple of economic quarters. And sure enough, if inflation is too much money chasing too few goods, and you have people not working and not producing goods and services, then don't be surprised again when the amount of money is going to exceed the amount of goods and services that can be purchased. That is a recipe for higher prices, and we call that inflation.
0: Is there a time limit to this government assistance? Do these benefits expire?
2: You know, in many states, they, they're going to expire in about six months, the unemployment benefits, that is. The Obamacare subsidies, though, they never expire. And even for the unemployment benefits, almost every state has different parameters in place which effectively allow people to get around that six month rule. In other words, I may be unemployed for six months, take a job for only a couple of months, and then I can get right back on the government dole.
0: Well, this seems like a loophole doesn't it
2: oh certainly it does but you, know, you have to ask yourself are some of these things uh, in place accidentally or by design when you look at something like obamacare subsidies for example they were sold to the american people as being a hand up to the the lower income stratas and yet what have they turned into today a hand out for many upper income people, you can make, for example, over half a million dollars in many parts of the country and still qualify for these health care subsidies.
0: So then, is this by design or an accident?
2: It, it certainly seems like this is by design.
0: It is by design. Why, why would they design it this way?
2: Well, if you're an elected official, you know we oftentimes forget that elected officials are are people just like you and me and they operate on incentives. And their incentive is to get reelected. And if you have an entire class of people who are dependent upon you for the handouts that you provide, you're going to reelect that person.
0: And and there's another aspect to this. How do you convince people to get off of government dependence and back into the, to the labor force?
2: You know, that is is very, very difficult, and it's something we really probably can't do without significant reforms, structural reforms to welfare. And the reason for that is because there are so many means-tested programs where as soon as you earn just a little bit of income, what happens? All of those benefits are taken away. In Loudoun County, Virginia, for example, a bedroom community of of D.C. here, you find that you can get rental assistance exceeding $25,000 a year, and that's just one program. Add on to that food stamps, which have recently been expanded. Add on to that subsidies for everything from education to transportation. And what you find is that if you earn just a small amount of income, the bulk of your income, which comes from benefits, is taken away. And you're not going to convince anybody to do that.
0: Wow, incredible. All right, E.J. Antoni Heritage Foundation, thank you. Thank you. Hundreds of healthcare workers in Illinois who were fired over a COVID-19 vaccine mandate Will be partially compensated. A judge approved the $10 million settlement Monday. Back in 2021, the North Shore University Health System imposed a COVID-19 vaccine mandate on employees. About 500 workers applied for a religious exemption, but almost none of them got it. Many were later fired over the mandate or forced to get vaccinated to keep their jobs. Lawyers representing a group of them argued they were unlawfully discriminated against. Both sides say they're happy the court approved the settlement. Each worker who was fired stands to receive $24,000. Workers who stayed will get about $3,700. And the outbreak of respiratory viruses affecting kids across the country has caused a run on some children's medicines. And two of the country's biggest pharmacy chains, CVS and Walgreens, have responded. They announced Monday they will limit purchases of children's pain relief products. Walgreens will allow six over-the-counter purchases, while CVS will allow customers to buy just two pain relief products either online or in person. CVS says it's also working with its suppliers to meet the demand. The U.S. Postal Service is building one of the largest electric fleets in the U.S., announcing today it's buying 66,000 electric vehicles. It's ordering 45,000 electric delivery vehicles from a defense contractor, and it's buying another 21,000 from major commercial automakers. The Postal Service says three-quarters of its fleet will be electric by 2028. But all new vehicle purchases will be electric from 2026 onward. USPS said the upgrade is in part due to $3 billion in Inflation Reduction Act funding. And car makers are lowering their expectations on how fast people will take on electric vehicles. That's what an annual survey of automotive executives found. NTD's Sean Marshall
3: has more. KPMG reports automotive executives are less bullish than they were last year about the adoption of electric vehicles. That's according to their 23rd annual Global Automotive Executive Survey report. KPMG's survey found expectations of electric vehicle sales are becoming more realistic. Last year, respondents had predicted 62% of new vehicle sales in the U.S. would be EVs by 2030. In this year's survey, that number went down to 37% a drop of 25 percentage points. The report captures the views of over 900 auto executives, including more than 250 in the US. Toyota boss Akio Toyota has long said electric vehicles aren't the only way forward for the auto industry. During a visit to Thailand, he told reporters people involved in the auto industry are largely a silent majority. That silent majority is wondering whether EVs are really okay to have as a single option, but they think it's the trend, so they can't speak out loud. To make the industry's outlooks and perspectives even more complicated, solar vehicles might be the next generation of EVs. Sono Motors, Aptera Motors, and Lightyear are all developing solar electric vehicles that are set to hit the market over the next few years. While these cars still contain lithium-based batteries, that can be charged normally. They also contain solar panels that can provide an additional 15 to 45 miles of range consumers seeking an escape from grid dependency along with more mileage from solar vehicles could have major effects on the industry. The Sono Scion, which is expected to begin production in Europe in mid-2023, is priced starting at just $25,000. Its battery has a 190-mile range while utilizing solar cells. The car gives you per year 5,700 miles or 15 miles per day, free of charge because its energy comes from the sun. Sean Marshall, NTD News.
0: U.S. single-family home building tumbled to a -a two-and-a-half-year low in November. The Commerce Department expects residential investment to contract for the seventh consecutive quarter. That will mark the longest stretch since the housing bubble burst before the Great Recession in 2008. Single-family housing starts dropped 4% last month compared to October. That was the lowest level since May 2020. According to Freddie Mac, the 30-year fixed mortgage rate surged to above 7% a few months ago. That's the highest rate since 2002. The rate went down to an average of 6.3% last week. But that's still double what it was from the same time last year. And now onto Wall Street. Stocks ended higher today. The Dow rose 92 points or 3 tenths of a percent. S&P gained 4 points or 1 of a percent. And the Nasdaq was mostly unchanged, adding just one point. And today, Amazon reached a settlement with the European Union in three antitrust probes. The EU had accused Amazon of using its size, power, and data to gain an unfair advantage over rival sellers that also use its platform. Amazon has agreed to not use seller's data for its own competing retail business. The EU also raised concerns about the company's equal treatment of sellers for its buy box. Amazon has agreed to set up a second buy box for a rival product if it differs substantially in price and delivery. Sellers will also be able to choose their own logistics and delivery services. Amazon could face a fine of 10% of its total annual revenue if it were to breach its commitments. And taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. Still to come, more and more adults and teens are buying kids' toys for their own enjoyment. This has become a vital market for the toy industry. And we take a look at the top Christmas decoration colors this year in Beverly Hills. That are more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Adults and teens who buy toys for themselves are a big boon to the toy industry. In fact, they've been estimated to make up an entire quarter of all annual toy sales, according to the NPD Group. The group defines these people as anyone over the age of 12. That's a whopping $9 billion. These people tend to enjoy toys that remind themselves of their childhood. For example, maybe some cartoons they once watched. We ask someone who collects kids' toys why they do it.
4: It started out as my uh, boys' toy collection, as they outgrew them pretty quickly. I found it hard to throw them away, and I thought it would make a great background for uh, podcasts, Zoom interviews, and, of course, TV interviews. But, you know, (laughs) I have to say that, admittedly, a lot of them um, are ones that I actually purchased for myself. Like, there's a Wonder Woman behind me, and obviously, the boys didn't... uh, one wonder woman so i purchased that and uh, joker behind me if i lean over a little bit
0: burton kelso is a tech and cybersecurity expert who frequently speaks to the media he puts the action figures in the background to liven up the atmosphere and connect with people people actually have complimented his setup many times
4: and it's just the nostalgia of having action figures because i grew up in the i guess you could say in the golden age of action figures when mego started coming out with both Marvel and DC superheroes. And of course, uh, coupled with the fact that you ha- they had action sets like Star Trek and the Bat Cave and other items like the uh, set of the Enterprise. And it just kind of um, allows me to enjoy a portion of my childhood uh, seeing those action figures.
0: This trend actually has been going on for a very long time, and the COVID lockdowns greatly amplified it. Adults had to spend a lot more time at home where they rediscovered the joy of kids' toys. We spoke to James Zahn, the editor-in-chief of the Toy Book. It's the leading toy industry publication in North America. He's also the senior editor at the ToyInsider.com, a toy consumer guide. He says sometimes adults look at these toys like pieces of art and then put them up on display. Others see them like collectibles.
5: And this is from Playmates Toys. This is their new... Uh, Starship Enterprise from Star Trek the original series from the 1960s this has lights and sounds so if you push this you'll actually hear from Mattel's mega brands we have the mega Pokemon Pikachu this is the ultimate motion one comes on this beautiful display base here and when the folks do put it together this actually moves This is a big deal because this is a collaboration between Hasbro and Lego. First time they've ever done that. Transformers Optimus Prime. And if you notice, this is marketed towards ages 18 and up
0: right here. That was a nice Pikachu. Sometimes major toy makers are making these toys just for adults. Lego had a global ad campaign called Adults Welcome. Barbie maker Mattel came out with Mattel Creations. Instead of selling inexpensive $14 dolls to kids, it can now sell high-quality $200 dolls to adults. And Hasbro launched Hasbro Pulse, where it sells toys like high-quality action figures for adults. James Zahn, the editor-in-chief of the Toy Book, says this has been going on for a very long time, but only during the COVID lockdown has it become mainstream.
5: There have been adult toy collectors for decades, uh, adult game players but it's really just sort of crossed over to where you know it's okay to be a big kid. We can all play, we can have fun. Life doesn't have to be serious. There's plenty of time out there to be serious and do your business and raise your families, but at the end of the day, play is good and play is for everyone.
0: The holiday shopping season is a very important time for toy makers. Data shows that toy sales actually fell 3% during the first nine months of this year. So this coming Christmas, adults and teens who buy kids toys for themselves will be crucial in making up the drop. This demographic generally spend more money on toys than others do. And moving on, pink, purple, black and white are trending as top Christmas decoration colors in Beverly Hills. Despite global price hikes, people are shopping again after two years of pandemic restrictions. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on this season's decor.
6: It's a brighter Christmas this year.
3: This year, we saw a definite increase in foot traffic over 2021. People are here for sure, and they're shopping and they're celebrating. I think consumer sentiment is such that you know, after COVID, people are looking to enjoy their life and to celebrate with their loved ones.
6: At home goods store Aldic Home, it takes five months to prepare for the Christmas season. Traditional and vintage pieces are a focus this year. Third generation owner Brian Gold says families have shopped here for generations. Gold says people are spending despite inflation. They're not complaining about the prices for the top level holiday decor.
2: Things like Christmas trees, Um, have gone up certainly than than years before. But we carry the the highest quality trees and so people understand that those are gonna carry a premium price tag. So we haven't seen much pullback on that.
6: Decorations are also coming in pink and purple, gold and white, black and red, and also a trendy black and white. Styles range from vintage pieces to more natural rustic inspired looks.
2: Snow trees have been very popular this year. It's a a great way to accent a color by adding any sort of color to it, it really pops. And it's just kind of a fantasy uh, Christmas look that people have really gravitated towards.
6: Customers are enjoying the new styles, but some say, all in all, Christmas decor can be anything you want, as long as people get to celebrate with their loved ones. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And that's all the stories today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at NTD.com. We read every email. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.